speaking, and I'm so excited to share with you what it is that he has been saying to this ministry, uh, in particular about the earthquake that we have been witnessing in Syria and Turkey. Uh, the numbers continue to grow in terms of those who have perished, and so we certainly pray for those who have um, been inundated by the effects of this massive destruction. Uh, thousands of people dead. We have been seeing and hearing uh, of miraculous rescues, which we prayed about on yesterday. We're going to pray again today, but I do feel uh, compelled to share with you what the Spirit of the Lord put in my spirit on last night as I continue to seek the Lord about what it is that we are seeing uh, as the death toll in Syria and Turkey has reached 5,100 here this morning uh, on February 7th, Tuesday, February 7th. And, and what the Lord has said to me has to do with repentance and how he's bringing attention to repentance and the need for his people to repent as well as the world. So let us pray together. We're going to dig into the word of the Lord. God, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for breath, God. We thank you for Zoe life, Lord. We give you all of the glory. We give you all of the praise. God, you are a perfect and righteous judge. God, you weigh us in the balance and you see where we are found wanting and you desire to see us turn. You desire to see us change. You desire to see us in your abide, abiding grace and, and abiding mercy. You want to see us in your presence, uh, delighting in you as you delight in us, God. You cannot overlook sin. You have to deal with it, God, until we have been redeemed, until we have been washed clean by the blood of Jesus. And uh, God, we just thank you for your kingdom purpose. We thank you for your heart that is insurmountable. It is immeasurably large, God. Your love never fails and your love does cover a multitude of sins. God, I pray now you take over my mouth and my mind, that you minister to your people as you minister to me and through me. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, in Jesus' name. And I prophesy, Spirit of God, amen, amen. So Frank, what do you mean, uh, repentance, repentance, repentance? Uh, last night, uh, the Spirit of the Lord just took me to a point of, of seeking him about the earthquake and, and um, I'm going to read to you some of my notes and we're going to go through some scripture. I'm going to try to hasten and get through this um, in, a, in a decent amount of time because I know many people, particularly this time of day, have things to do. Uh, but I do want to get to the crux of what it is the Lord spoke to me very quickly and very early. So I thank God for you being here and being patient, but also I am going to honor your time. So this is what I wrote. As I considered the earthquake in Turkey and Syria, the Lord brought my attention to the time, the time when the first earthquake happened. The time indicates what time the Lord is announcing to the world. So the Lord is making an announcement about the time that we are in. He's making an announcement about the time that we entered when this earthquake happened. This has brought us into a new time. So the question becomes, what time is it? Repent. So as I, I sought the Lord, I was reading the news and, and praying through it. And the Spirit of the Lord showed me the time when the earthquake happened was 417 in the morning, local time, at the epicenter, where the epicenter of the earthquake was. And so I knew the Lord wanted me to find the scripture and search the scripture for 417. And just to remind you, the Bible says that it is the glory of God to conceal a matter. God's glory requires him to have secrets. Why? Because he is spirit and we are flesh. And so to find him, we need to be in the spirit. Glory to God. 
and the Spirit then will give us what we ask for. He promises that if you seek, you will find. Ask and you will receive. Knock and it shall be opened. So we have to go into a spiritual uh, zone. We've got to enter into the spirit realm. We've got to go into a spiritual conversation with the Spirit of the Lord so that the spiritual things can be discerned by the Spirit. It says the glory of God is to conceal a matter and the glory of kings is to search it out. You are a king. You are royalty if you're in the family of God. And so God gives you glory as you seek him in the spirit to find that which he has hidden. Glory to God. God speaks in the dark. God speaks in clouds. He shrouds things, but he speaks to those who seek him in the dark, in the cloud. Glory to God. On the mountaintop, there's a climbing. There's a, a seeking, a, a discerning of the need to enter into his presence from one location leaving that place and going into his presence. And so that's what I committed to do. And that's what I committed to do as I sought what he was saying about the time. And so I'm going to pull up this scripture so that you can see this. If you're watching us on our YouTube channel or you're watching us on our Facebook live right now, I'm pulling up the scripture, Matthew 4, 17, hear the voice of the Lord. From that time, Jesus began to preach and say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. From that time, Jesus preached and said, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Do you see now? We are in a time where Jesus is preaching repentance. So you might say, well, he's always preaching repentance. Yes, but there are times when the Lord announces, he creates a clarion call to gather people so they may hear the voice of the Lord together. And so this earthquake was meant to wake us up to listen to what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. And so his prophetic people who are seeking him are going to help us hear. And that's why I'm here to help you hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. I'm going to pull it up again. From that time, Jesus began to preach and say, repent for the kingdom of God. A kingdom of heaven is at hand. He is preaching still today. There is a great reckoning afoot, brothers and sisters. The Lord is warning us. He is warning us. He is warning us to repent and receive his kingdom or face calamity. Or face calamity. Listen, this is a, this is a message of hope. I'm going to stop right here. The hope is in Christ. Calamity is not an issue for those in Christ. But calamity is a tool the Lord uses to wake up people who otherwise will not come to the end of themselves and seek him. And I'm going to show you this in scripture. There is a message to the church. Repent. There is a message to the world. Repent. The kingdom of God is now. 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 The Lord is expanding his kingdom. The Lord is raising his voice. The Lord is raising his profile in the earth. I love that. God is raising his profile in the earth. Glory to God. The earthquake now, now we're going to get to some more scripture. The earthquake measured at a 7.8 magnitude. So the spirit of the Lord said, Frank, go to Psalm 78. And what does it speak of? It speaks of the Lord's judgment. God is a righteous judge, but he needs to teach us that we should fear him. Listen to the scriptures. We're going to take our time. We're going to read a portion of Psalm 78. We're going to begin at verse 31. It says the wrath of God came against them and slew the stoutest of them. So only the stoutest are slain and struck down the choice men of Israel. So even those that people would say are special or uh, uh, elevated are not immune to God's judgment. Do you hear the voice of God? 
He's bringing our attention to the seriousness of sin, the seriousness of iniquity, the seriousness of defilement, the seriousness of his judgment. His judgment is coming and it has come. So he sh uh, actually let's go through the rest of these scriptures here. The wrath of God came against them and slew the status of them and struck down the choice men of Israel. Verse 32, in spite of this, they still sinned and did not believe in his wondrous work. So what does this say about men? That God is trying to get our attention, and even because he's getting our attention, in spite of that, our nature is to ignore him. What does that say about God? It says that even though you want to ignore me, I'm going to keep trying to get your attention. Verse 33, therefore there and their years in fear. He's continuing to try to get their attention. Verse 34, when he slew them, then they sought him and they returned and sought earnestly for God. What does this say about men? It says that sometimes God has got to continue to afflict, uh, continue to show us that this world is not our home, to continue to show us that without him and apart from him, there is nothing but death. He has to continue to show us the wages of sin is death. But the glory of God is that we have eternal life through Jesus Christ. And so Jesus is preaching repentance. The kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. He's preaching this. And then in verse 35, it says, then they remembered that God was their rock and the most high God, their redeemer. If we're building our lives on anything except Christ, God is going to bring issues so that we will begin to see our need. God needs us to see our need for him. And so things such as an earthquake, things such as drought, famine, war, pestilence, or plague, God brings those things against the stoutest who are headed for destruction. He brings this to bring them to him. It's not to punish them. It's to deal with our nature, which is stubborn and rebellious. God is a perfect judge. God is a perfect judge. I got to say this again. God is a perfect judge. So here the Lord is giving a history in Psalm 78. I want to encourage you to read the whole Psalm. It's very long. God is giving a history of Israel's rebellion in, in Psalm 78. In spite of his obvious goodness and his miraculous favor toward them, they were still rebellious. <laughs> here again, we see the Lord calling on his people to repent and put away their idols or there are consequences. The consequences are meant to bring us to repentance. And so some people may say, I thought it was the goodness of God that brings us to repentance. It is. God's goodness is what inspires, drives, and passionately drives him uh, zealously to show us that without him, there's nothing but death. That's his goodness. If he didn't show us the consequences of our sin, he would not be a good father. What does it say? Son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord because he does it out of love. He chastens us to bring us to himself. God is a righteous judge. And we do not have the ability to fully weigh his righteousness and holiness. There's no way to measure it. But his nature is to punish sin that is in his character, because if unchecked, sin will wipe out everything. So God created everything and said it is good. And then what happened? Not too long after, sin entered the picture and defiled, destroyed God's perfect plan. 
And so from that point forward, even before the foundations of the world, the Bible says that the lamb was slain, meaning he came to destroy the works of the devil before even the devil did what the devil did. Before we fell, Jesus had already committed to destroy the works of the devil. What does he do? He does it gently, quietly, meekly over the course of thousands of years, bringing us back to him. And he knows the hearts of men. Our hearts are in his reins. He holds the reins of your heart, meaning he directs hearts, meaning he knows where you are. Everyone at any given time, he knows exactly what you need to wake up, even when he knows you never will. Pharaoh saw this, the plagues, the 10 plagues in Egypt. Pharaoh, on a, on a couple of occasions, said to Moses, pray for me. I am a man, I'm a wicked man, I'm among a wicked people. He began to see his sin, but his, his heart condition would not change. God knew his heart would not change, but he still sent 10 plagues to set his people free so that his glory would fill the earth through Israel. Glory to God. But his nature is to punish sin because if unchecked, sin will wipe out everything. And since God doesn't want to wipe out everything, blood, except for one family, he's determined to show the world through the news reports that our lives are not promised. Yes, we pray for the families involved. Yes, we pray for preservation of life. Continue to pray. The overall theme here is repentance. Because even if a life is saved, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world but lose his soul? So this life is not the point. This life is a journey toward whether you're going to hell or going to heaven, whether you're going to meet the Father, know the Father, be known by the Father, or whether you're not. So I've, it behooves us to preach repentance because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So um, Psalm 78 talks about God's heart is to preserve life, but sometimes he takes lives to preserve lives. I'm going to say that again. Sometimes God has to take lives to preserve lives. He knows those who will turn to him and those who will not. And he is a perfect judge, but he is a judge. The final judgment has not come. We know this. But what we must remember, however, is the Lord is determined for his glory to be revealed. Numbers, in the book of Numbers, he says, uh, as, as surely as I live, the earth will be filled with the glory of the Lord. That is his desire for people to know him, see him, understand him, be found in him, to gain him. Paul said that I might gain Christ, right? If an earthquake or famine or war is what it will take to turn us back to him, then he will do it. He's that good. And this is where our human nature has to over be, be overwhelmed by the truth of God's word. His goodness is not canceled because of an earthquake. He's still good. He, he's, what does the Bible say? All things work together for the good of those. For the call according to his purpose. Everything. Everything he do, does is good. Even things that seem to us to be bad. Yes, things are bad with outcomes, but God's overarching glory is still not change. He's still good in the midst of a storm. He's still good in the midst of a valley. He's still good in the midst of war. He's still good in the midst of pestilence. In fact, he uses the pestilence, the war, the earthquake to show his goodness. The rescues, the miraculous favor that we're going to see in the midst of this, the compassion of God's people as they go and serve those who are struggling and hurting and in pain and impoverished because of this is going to give God opportunity to bring people who otherwise would not hear him into his heart. Do you hear the Lord? He knows that unless we have him, we are lost. So he raises us like sheep. He's a shepherd. Jesus is a shepherd. He guides the entire world. 
as he also guides each individual. I love that. Jesus is a perfect shepherd. He, sh he shepherds the entire world just as he's guiding each individual. And he knows just the right, right way to get us to change. Watch this. Going back to Psalm 78. Why are we talking about Psalm 78? It was a 7.8 magnitude earthquake. The Lord brought us prophetically to Psalm 78. And it talks about God's perfect shepherding. Listen, look at this. So he shepherded them according to the integrity of his heart and guided them by the skillfulness of his hands. Oh, I love this verse. God has integrity. He is a guide and he's skillful with his shepherding of every single human being. He never makes a mistake. So even in the earthquake, we're seeing his integrity. We're seeing his shepherding. We're seeing his guidance. We're seeing his skillfulness and we're seeing his hands. This is the prophecy that was spoken about David in Psalm 78, how he was going to shepherd Israel. But the deeper truth, the mystery is about this is God's heart. We can trust him as the perfect judge, even when we see calamity, that he is shepherding us with the calamity, through the calamity and out of the calamity, according to the integrity of his heart. And he guides us the entire time, just like he took the people of Israel through the Red Sea, an impossible, miraculous deliverance. He did it. He brought them to a place where there was no way out except to drown. Instead, he made a way through it to the promised land, to a place of refuge. Glory to God with the skillfulness of his hands. What did Moses do? Moses sat there and raised his hands and it was taken as faith and the Lord split the Red Sea so the people of God had dry to go through as their enemy was trying to take them down and take them out. And so there are people in this life who are Muslim, who are Hindu, who are Buddhist, who are atheists, who are agnostic, who, who are like that. They, they are coming up against an impossibility. They cannot be saved except Jesus saved them. And the enemy of their soul, whether they know it or not, is after them and wants to take them out of here and bring them into his bosom of hell. And, and they don't know they need a savior. So God is going to bring them to the end of themselves and then open up the way, which is Jesus. He's the dry land through the wilderness, through the sea. Glory to God. He takes us through his red sea of his blood. Oh, God, and translates us from the kingdom of darkness, which is represented by Egypt, to the kingdom of light, which is represented by the promised land. And so we need to pray into what's going to be a miraculous breakthrough of, of salvations in Turkey and Syria and the Middle East. We talked about how the Lord is speaking to Israel through this as well. Israel felt the, the, the uh, earthquake but didn't see the damage. God is waking them up. We need to pray into these things. Intercessors pray. The prophets help us to understand the times and the seasons of what we should do. We should embrace repentance. We should embrace God's judgment, but we should also pray into it that the people of God will begin to wake up to their need to share. People need to repent. We need to be friends and neighbors. Hey, turn, turn to God. God is where the, the fruit is. God is where the life is. God is where your love is. God is where, where everything you need is because without him, there's calamity. The earthquake's an opportunity to preach to somebody. Do you hear me? That somebody needs to hear that that thing could happen here. And, and if you're not ready, if you don't know him, you've got no safety. You've got no protection. You don't think show us the consequences are there. He's got to show us consequences or we'll forget. 
Let's get the, look at that scripture again. We will forget we're naturally, naturally rebellious, but he shepherds us according to the integrity of his heart. And he guides us by the skillfulness of, of his hands, by showing his consequences, getting people to wake up, getting people to see their destitution and degradation without him. All right, so another thing the Lord showed me, I'm going to show you that in a second, but this is, this is where we started, Matthew 4, 17. From that time, Jesus began to preach and say, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. This is Matthew 4, 17. The earthquake happened at 4, 17 in the morning. He is announcing we're in a time where he is focusing on, he is emphasizing repentance. Why? So the kingdom of heaven will be revealed. Hear me today. So the first aftershock, this is something the Lord sent me to, and I'm going to wrap up after this. The first aftershock of the earthquake was a 7.5 magnitude, which was nearly as strong as the initial quake. And that's what journalists really were talking about, just how strong the aftershock was. What is that? God is stressing the aftershock, 7.5. He is saying the, the, the second message that I want to get across to you is found in this strong delivery of a shaking. He's shaking us awake to go to Psalm 75, which Psalm 75, I'm going to show it to you, gives thanks to the Lord. Watch this. It gives thanks to the Lord for his righteous judgment, his perfection in weighing the hearts of men and women and all of mankind. Let's read this together. Psalm 75, we give thanks to you, O God. We give thanks for your wondrous works. Declare that your name is near. Do we see the earthquake as, as his wondrous work? Thanks for this? Yes, we should. We should give God thanks for what he's doing. He's using this for his glory. He's using this to show that his name is near, that name Jesus that saves is near. When I choose the proper time, I will judge uprightly. The earth and all its inhabitants are dissolved. I set up its pillars firmly. Selah. We think about the coming judgment where everything will be dissolved. Thank you, God, for your mercy. Hallelujah. I said to the boastful, do not deal boastfully. He's wrestling with us. And to the wicked, do not lift up the horn, meaning don't rely on your own strength and see yourself as higher than me. Do not lift up your horn on high. Do not speak with a stiff neck, he's wrestling. For exaltation comes neither from the east, nor from the west, nor from the south, but God is the what? Judge. He's the decision maker. He puts down one and exalts another. He decides who lives or dies. He decides who wins or loses. He decides who's saved or not. And I know people don't like to hear that, but there are some God knows will never be saved because their hearts will never receive him. He knows that. He knew that about Pharaoh. He told Moses, he said, he will not hear you. Listen to the voice of the Lord. For in the hand of the Lord, there is a cup and the wine is red. It is fully mixed and he pours it out. Surely its dregs shall all the wicked of the earth drain and drink down. But I will declare forever, I will sing praises to the God of Jacob. Wine represents the blood of Jesus. He pours out the blood of Jesus as a judge for those who will receive it to, to receive salvation, to receive life. But the dregs, that which is in the bottom, 
that which has trickled down, that which does not belong, that which is a mixture, that which is defilement, that which is not pure, that is what the wicked receive. They get the cost of the impurities of this world. And listen to this. It says, but I will declare forever, I will sing praises to the God of Jacob. Even in his judgment, I will sing praises. This is a hard message for some, but listen, God's goodness is found in his judgment. There's no place where God is not good. And verse 10, it finishes by saying, all the horns of the wicked will also cut off. I will also cut off, but the horns of the righteous shall be exalted. God's perfect in exalting those who are righteous. The righteous have nothing to fear, but those who are unrighteous, who have not named the name of Jesus as their savior, those who might know Jesus and, and, and believe in Jesus, the demons believe and tremble. There's repentance required. And this is the message to the church. Tell people about Jesus and the need to repent. And we in the church need to repent from our idols as well. He's dealing with us. He's saying to his bride, turn from religion, turn from politics, turn from the God of mammon, turn from the idols of this life. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths do not eat and rust does not corrupt. God bless you. And thieves do not come in and steal. He says your treasure needs to be in heaven because where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. You see the things of this world can be crumbled, destroyed, and taken out in a moment. God's still tearing down buildings in the aftershocks. There are still buildings coming down that were, that were unstable. Are you unstable? Are you built on the solid rock? God says, if you're not careful, the, the cares of this world, glory to God, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of wants you to build on the solid rock. He wants you to repent. That means turn from wickedness and run toward the Father for everything you need is in your Father's house. God, I bless you for the zeal of the Lord which will accomplish this. This should be our heart cry, friends, if we're in the, in the body. May we love the judge that is our God just as much as we love his grace and loving kindness in its more obvious dispensation. We love to see blessing when it comes to the career, the job, uh, getting, getting a promotion or having a baby or getting married. We see those as obvious grace dispensations, but grace is also dispensed in God's judgment. Do we see what he spared? Do we see the message? Are we hearing his voice? The Bible says, do not uh, refuse his voice. Hallelujah. May we love the judge that is our God just as much as we love his grace and loving kindness. Hear this, the truth is, there is no difference. There is no difference between God the judge and God the God of grace. There's no difference between the God the judge and God the God of mercy. What did he say to Moses? Moses said, show me your glory. And the Lord reveals himself to him. And he says his name to Jesus. And this is in... Um, the book of Exodus and the Lord comes and he speaks his name and the Lord says to him that he is a God of justice as much as he's a God of mercy. Glory to God. He says, I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. I'll have compassion on whom I will have compassion. Glory to God. So then he comes and he announces his name in the book of Exodus chapter 34. It says the Lord descended in verse five 
in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. This is his name. We just read about how we should give thanks for his name being near. So his name is, is bringing on this all-encompassing character. And the Lord passed before him and proclaimed his name, the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children's children to the third and the fourth generation. That is his name, that he judges the guilty. He does not let them get away with it. Why? Because they hurt his children. He wouldn't be a good father if he just let people hurt his children. He wants them to come to Jesus so that he doesn't have to issue those kinds of edicts. And so he wakes us up through things like an earthquake. Let us pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that your perfect judgment will become a blessing to us, that we will not um, be dissuaded by your judgment, that we will not be discouraged or have doubt in your goodness, because there's no shadow of turning in you. There's no darkness at all in you. Glory to God. You are all light. And you expose. You said that you came to expose um, the, the things that those who are wicked are doing, and they don't like it. They don't like it because their deeds are exposed. But God, you do it anyway. Why? Because you want us to see ourselves. You want us to see ourselves without you so that we'll desire to come to you. That's our prayer for the world. That's our prayer for Turkey, Syria, all the families. That's our prayer for Israel, for the Middle East, for Asia, for Europe, for Africa, for Antarctica, God, for North America, South America, for Central America, God. We pray in Indonesia that your name will be show consequences people will come to the father of lights you want us to be light in the earth you are our father and you're the father of lights where, where those have their eyes full of darkness god how great is that darkness and you want them to have light so i pray that you invade their lives in the name of jesus we pray amen god i bless you for this time with your people and i bless you for being here i've got to run but I praise God for you and your faithfulness to him and to pray. I love you. I praise God. I hope that you receive encouragement as you see the truth of God's word uh, that we just went through and that you will minister to the Lord uh, as we are being reminded of his righteous judgment. If you want to give into this ministry, if the Lord put that in your heart, go to faithfireworldwide.com. We praise God for you. Uh, we love you. And until next time, may grace abound in your life in Jesus' name. Bye-bye.